Hey everyone, this is the uh, Nips and Sips podcast uh, featuring me. I'm Dr. Jeremy Boyd, my partner in crime over there, Dr. Brandon Cruz. Today we're going to be talking about uh, chronic ankle instability and seeing where it goes. Maybe we'll talk about some other ankle um, issues or uh, sprains. Uh, but before I get too much into that, uh, how's it going, Brandon? Going well over here, Jared. Thanks for uh, the intro uh, for our audience. Yeah, we, we might have touched upon uh, parts of this topic in a uh, previous episode, the foot and ankle, uh, but we figured we'd uh, dive deeper more into uh, the chronic ankle instability, and like Jeremy said, and probably we'll go off into a tangent into uh, some of the other types of ankle sprains. Um, but Jared, what do, you, uh, what do you got drinking there today? Nice shirt, by the way, our pink right there. Yep, I represent. Um, today, um, I'm hitting rooftop chilling. Uh, it's a little bit of a lighter beer. Still got some work uh, to do after this. Um, I had it from a Ludlam Island Brewery. It's the first brewery I had since COVID or been to, uh, outdoor, uh, dining style. So really cool. Um, so it's real nice. So, oh, oh, well, I got some leakage. I got a sweet cup today from that brewery. So, um, I've had this before at the brewery. Uh, it was pretty good. Um, I'd give it um, 7, 7.4. Um, just a nice, kind of crushable drink. Uh, you know, you can have a couple of these and it would be fine. So I think it would be good. What about you there, Brandon? So what you're saying is your homemade beer is almost two points higher than this one. Uh, yes, I, I agree with and that. There's nothing I, wrong with that. That's fine. You should start selling yours out. Right, and uh, you know this is a, they're pretty one of the bigger, bigger named breweries. They're small, the brewery, but they uh, their beer goes pretty far and uh, well received. So, just saying, if you know if they want to buy off my my product, you know I'm all right with that. But you know no, nine point three. I have uh, my Noble Oak, the one I tried in our previous episode. I liked it a lot, um, so I'm uh, back with it again. Nice. And uh, yeah, Regular so I guess let's get today, it. Huh? Yeah, ish. I mean, it's it's the one from the office. It's just a regular uh, plastic cup. Nothing, nothing fancy there. Um, but yeah. So anyway, moving anyway. on to our, our topic. Um, Jer, I know you, you see uh, more of an athletic population um, than I do now. Um, I guess, you know, what has been anecdotally uh, some of your thoughts uh, on diagnosing uh, treating uh, conservatively uh, chronic ankle instability or just ankle sprains in general. We could kind of uh, probably tease out the two as we talk. Uh, and then I'll, I'll shed some light, I guess, on, on some of my thoughts afterwards. But uh, where are you with it? How has your treatment evolved and everything? Yeah, I think um, what you were just kind of mentioning, at least teasing out one or the other, um, if you really kind of listen to your client, stuff like that, most people probably – even though it's their first time going to PT for a lateral ankle sprain, uh, they probably have some form of ankle instability uh, or, or chronic ankle instability. They mentioned a couple of times you start, you know, going through a subjective exam, like, Oh, it rolled on me a couple of times. It gives out here and there. Um, so that's when I start to think, Hey, this is something, you know, that again is chronic it's been going on for a little bit. Um, so yeah, I do see, do see a fair share of these, um, obviously from a pathoanatomical standpoint, 
um, you know, stretching those, those ligaments from the sprain, especially the ATFL, um, you'd think, all right, yes, we need to stabilize the joint, uh, which I, you know, fully endorse. Um, but you know, if you really take a look at it and especially the ones that need physical therapy, let's face it, what I'd say, what do you say, Brandon, more than probably half of the people who have an ankle sprain probably don't ever go to PT, maybe more. Uh, yeah, I'd say it's more than that. I think, I think, uh, let me see if I can find it here. I, I think it was close to 80%. Hmm. Um, 80%. 80 to 90 don't get referred. I actually, I have a presentation on that. Um, uh, you'll talk, I'll that. dig it up, see what I can find out. So, you know, for those individual, but most of the time, I mean, yeah, I get some acute ones. Uh, we're starting to establish ourselves with direct access. Um, but for the most part, you know, they're in either subacute or chronic phases. Uh, if you start looking at things, Yes, again, pathanatomically, they need to, you know, strengthen up those ligaments and everything like that. But more often than not, you know, they're, they're restricting their range of motion. And what really makes a difference is, you know, mobilizing their stiff, yet unstable ankle. So, you know, those are some things that I, you know, you know see clinically. But go ahead, Brandon, I don't know what you have on the other oh. end there. Can no, you? I was just going to ask you for, for our audience. Can you kind of dive into that? Stiff but unstable. Um, usually people think uh, instability is lax. Um, so, yeah, just dive into to what you mean by that. I think that's, uh, that's a great talking point. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of people, yeah, can perceive either like some either from dislocations or ligament ruptures or ankle sprains. It's like it's, uh, it's unstable or it's loose or that would be – excessively hypermobile uh we don't wanna we want it to stiffen down some bit and you know just kind of you know focus on you know the strengthening side balance whatever it may be sorry um but in in reality if you you know get your hands in on you know the joint itself or the client feeling the tone of the tissue uh you'll start to see that things are anything but loose. Um, you know, if you're finding out, again, I look to, to give the best, most effective, easiest treatment, um, you know, putting my hands on people, that takes time. Yeah, you know, I can easily see two people uh, by just giving them exercises. But with that, if you put your hands on ankles, especially in the case of like a chronic ankle instability or just a post-lateral ankle sprain, You'll find, you know, if you're really breaking down the specific joints of, you know, talcrule, subtalar joint, um, calcaneus, um, on tibia, you got your ever, like, everting, inverting, uh, midfoot, and those sort of things. You will find more, most likely, some, you know, some stiffnesses. Uh, so, you know, it, it behooves you to address those because more often than not people will work around those stiffnesses and that's going to cause all kinds of dysfunctions and issues. Um, so that's kind of how I perceive it. What about you, Brandon? Yeah. So I, I have the, um, the research here uh, talking about it. So you're right. It's 50% don't seek treatment, but that's medical treatment in general, not just, you know, physical therapy. Okay. Um, and that's that where did I just go? Here we go. Um, 
That's by Williams and uh, Bayon, uh, two different studies, one in uh, 2005, one in 2001. 80%, where I got confused, 80% re-injury rate. Oh, um, that sucks. So That's awful. That's awful. And, I mean, I'll attest to it. I, I mean, I played basketball growing up. That was my main sport. I sprained my ankle. I didn't go to the ER or even PT. Oh. Um, when I was younger, it was just ice it and kind of – you know, wrap it up and play, play through it. Um, when I got older and when I, I sprained it actually a couple of years into being a PT, I had my coworker just manipulate my foot and I did some exercise on my own and I was pretty good to go. Um, you still play basketball, right? Yeah. Uh, I took a few years off, but that was more work related and not injury. <laughs> yeah. Um, work, work at life, uh, starting a business related, but yeah, now I yeah. play, I'm, I'm fine. Knock on wood. I haven't uh, haven't had an injury or sprain or anything in the in the couple of years I've been playing since. So, um, but yeah, I mean that's alarming. Eighty percent re uh, re injury rate, and we have to ask why. And I think you you were pretty much alluding to it. Um, you know, we we get termed ankle sprain, so we think pan- uh, pathoanatomically, or at least what we're taught in school. Okay, the ligament is torn or or partially torn or completely torn and lacks whether it's the ATFL, the CFL, both, um, or even the whole complex. And we think simply, okay, we're just going to strengthen the everters. Um, but what aren't we assessing? What are we missing? Um, and it goes to that talcruel joint limiting dorsiflexion, uh, mm-hmm. even limiting possibly plantar flexion. Your body is just going to try and diminish as much range of motion as possible to keep it stable. Um, that's a neurophysiological subconscious thing that happens. Uh, where your body's just trying to, you know, protect itself. Um, and then, as you said, you know, how does uh, now the, the subtalar joint um, respond to that lack of dorsiflexion? Does that become stiffer or more mobile? Um, the midfoot, the cuboid, um, the navicular joints, uh, you know. So we have to look at that whole complex, even the great toe, you know, lacking yeah. great toe extension. I mean, these are all things I've seen, especially with people who have multiple – um, sprained ankles where that whole foot just becomes stiff and rigid. I had a runner. He was like one of those, uh, like rucksack runners, um, where mm. they like run for like eight hours or 24 hours with like, um, with, like a tough no mutter type thing. Yeah. All that yeah. stuff. And you know, he sprained, he's like, I don't even know how many times I sprained my ankle and his whole foot just, just moved as one. Like there was no dissociation. There was no forefoot, midfoot, rear foot dissociation. Like they're supposed to be. Um, so now, you know, you have a rigid, basically he had a paddle and if it went the wrong way, he was rolling. Um, so, you know, with some manual therapy, we definitely, um, created some dissociation, improved the joint mobility. And then we added some exercises, um, to kind of, uh, you know, make everything stronger and reactive. Uh, and I'll, I'll touch upon that in a second, but when you're, when you're looking at exercises, Jeremy, are you just tacking the full ankle complex? Um, you know, we talk a lot about regionally. Do you, do you go mm-hmm. to the knee? Does the knee need to be um, treated, or can we just skip to the hip and hip, pelvis, low back? You know, what are your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, uh, no, definitely just can't keep it to just the ankle. Um, I mean, even that's – unless someone took a bat and somehow whacked your ankle – into a sprain it's something probably up the chain 
failed to call to assist that ankle kind of rolling in. Um, so I typically, you know, I look at, you know, you know, rotations into the knee, um, just quick, you know, in my assessment make sure the knee can actually function. Uh, I rarely see a lot in the knee that can, um, from a strength, um, wise, sometimes proximally like the tip fib and, uh, again, those rotations can impact the ankle from a manual therapy or mobility issues. Uh, so I attack that up there. Um, but a lot of, you know, issues, you know, especially mechanics and form wise and where are they getting their balance or control from? Are they using, you know, an ank- trying to use the ankle strategy as their primary, you know, stability or they're using appropriate like kind of hip strategies. So more often than not, especially in the athletic population, uh, right, really in any way, I always say the athletic population, but you know, it happens a lot in the, your standard people as well. Um, you know, they don't have a good, you know, hip or, you know, core control at all. Um, you know, not the greatest muscles up there. So yes, could you, could you in theory fix people just by hammering home that ankle? Um, and probably make them better, sure, but that's when it you know can reoccur because you never truly address the what was missing in the whole chain there. It's like a weak glutes and um, you know causes changes at the knee and to the ankle and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I try and hit from you know top down um, kind of approach from there. Oh, again, as we've talked about in previous uh, things, um, like it, we. A lot of benefit treating proximally than to distally. So, uh, what about you, Bren? Yeah, I've noticed, um, especially when you're you're talking. Well, I'm not. I was going to say athletes, but let's back yeah, up. Like, right? <laughs> one of most people have um, ankle sprains. It's like stepping off a curb or stepping on like a little like ditch in the grass or something. Um, Obviously, you know, let's say basketball, landing on a foot or, or going to stop. Volleyball. So they're decelerating volleyball. Same thing. Uh, they're coming down. I actually have a – I'm working with a professional volleyball player now, um, and she's had some, some ankle sprains. But, uh, you know, all the way up the chain, we're actually treating her for her, her hip slash low back. Um, those glutes just they're, – they're, they're not as strong as they need to be. You have someone who's 6'5", uh, jumping, you know, a hundred times a, a game and landing, landing on one leg, that one leg needs to be able to control, you know, mm-hmm. over 200 pounds when you include momentum, uh, down on one leg. Um, and that's, you know, eccentric and deceleration. And if, uh, that hip isn't there approximately, um, mm-hmm. you're either going to go into a valgus position at the knee or inversion at the ankle. Uh, so, yeah. you know, being able to strengthen proximally, work on functional training, functional movements, landing patterns, uh, things like that um, are definitely going to be uh, more so. I, and honestly, I, I hate to say it, uh, most of my treatment is at that pelvic and hip um, control. You know, maybe I'll do a little, th- uh, little eversion, um, eversion, inversion, um, or, or dorsiflexion with, with the you know, TheraBand, just to kind of get some motor control uh, and maybe mm-hmm. get those muscles just kind of working the way they should be. But most of it is being able to land, have a sense of awareness uh, and, and, 
you know, I kind of let my manual therapy kind of revitalize those proprioceptors that are there and, and just to close kinetic chain exercises, um, do, do what they need to do. Because when you look at an ankle sprain, um, you know, it's not just the ligaments or, or the muscles, the tendons that are being damaged. It's all the proprioceptors, um, that uh, affect uh, balance and those proprioceptors are, are within the mm-hmm. joint. They're within the ligament, they're within the tendon and, and muscle. And when there's a, a rip quote unquote or a tear or trauma, uh, those proprioceptors are, are being altered. Um, and I find that some of the, you know, the manipulations, uh, which is, uh, a, you know, has a lot of neurological or neurophysiological effects that control alt delete as well as even, you know, your MWMs and, and even your, your weight bearing dorsiflexion mobs and, um, progressing that way, it's going to give some centration, uh, to that joint and kind of work that feedback feed forward loop, um, of, you know, hopefully revitalizing some of those, uh, those receptors, uh, in the ankle there. Yeah. Um, first of all, I love the control alternate delete (laughs) reference. Um, (laughs) you want to talk about that, uh, real quick. And then I want to talk about, you know, your glutes and your, and your firing and a little bit more about that, but you want, you want to bring that up for people who are like, what the hell did he just say? Control it, delete. Um, what, uh, what, the, what do you mean by that? Control delete. I believe I got that. Was that Bill or Scott? I mean, the fir- I think that was the first time I heard it, uh, during residency. Um, mm. and you know, we talk about this in, in our, uh, courses, just the, the physiological neurophysiological mechanisms that are, are going on. It's a, it's a reset to the brain. Um, or the brain and body, you know, if you look at neuroanatomy and, and the, you know, first and second order responses um, that go up to, um, you know, your, your motor cortex and your periductal acrograi and your, your pain centers and uh, your rostral, ventral, medial um, aspects of the brain, uh, you know, they, they will control movement or, or motor control and pain. So if you're able to provide a, a quick thrust um, that's affecting those proprioceptors, uh, it's going to create a descending inhibition for, for kind of pain. And it's kind of the, uh, the analogy of what we do to our computer when we're, we're frozen or something is we, you know, either restart it or for, I think uh, on the old computers there's control alt delete, right? Is that what restarted yeah, the, uh, the computers there? Old so Windows I have a Mac computers. now. Uh, yeah, I have uh, a Mac, so it's just you hit the force quit button. Uh, I guess oh. it's probably the same thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know what happens if a Mac is to like permanently f- like the freeze. I don't even know uh, if there's an on-off button on this bad I boy. Power for five seconds until it turns yeah. off. Cross my fingers that everything's still there. Hope that that battery just runs out. But no, that's a uh, that's a good uh, good way to look at things with that. Um, like, you know, yeah, quick quick reset. Um, but yeah, you mentioned something about glutes and again, treating proximally. Um, yeah, if you're, I'm going to look at athletes and those sort of things and again, looking, I always kind of say, probably talked about, you know, sucks that you had an injury, but let's make you a better athlete or just make the person a better person. They don't have to be an athlete. Um, but the goal is to get people as independent as possible, not needing therapy and no one really wants, you know, those frequent flyers. So especially with ankle sprains, it's, you know, again, anybody can fix something locally, but to kind of prevent it from happening and happening again. And we're talking about like glutes and like, you know, taking a good assessment of people, you know, sometimes I see with athletes, you know, with 
you know, their ankle sprain or a knee injury or something like that, and they lack the ability to extend their hip past neutral. They only get like 30 degrees. It's just straight in line and those sort of things. And we can't, um, can't really fire up the glutes efficiently uh, unless we get all like that terminal hip extension. It's just like the knee. We don't talk about it as much in the hip, um, but you can't, like with post-op ACLs, they don't get full extension. Those sort of things can't get the quad to go. Same with the hip. Uh, you can't get that glute max fire unless you get all the way. And then we're talking about performance and those sort of things. We talk about triple extension and everything like that. If they're not able to do that, if you're not addressing that, uh, one, they're losing power, but two, where is it gonna, where are they gonna generate the power to jump, to land, all those sort of things? It's gonna be probably somewhere down the chain, and that's where they're gonna get hurt. So, yeah, the up chain, yeah, you know, oh yeah, rotations and stuff like that. Yeah, um, TL junction stuff. Yep. So that was just a that was a good point there. Yeah. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on, I guess I have some, some stuff here, but, um, surgery, what, when, when is this population needs surgery, uh, versus not, um, obviously we, our bias is to avoid surgery at all costs, sure. but, um, obviously there are people who need surgery and, and what types of surgery are, are they typically getting? Um, any thoughts for our audience out there on this one? Um, yeah, so, uh, I've been, again, kind of lucky. Uh, where I haven't had had anyone have like a stabilization procedure, or at least not for some time. Um, but if it you know, comes down to it, it's you know when it starts to impact the quality of life. If you same with things like those reoccurring, you know, shoulder dislocations. Um, you've even heard people have had bank art repairs and those sort of things. And when do you make the call uh, to get like a ladder J procedure, a ladder J, whatever you want to call it? Um, but you're talking like the Brunstrom and those sort of things is how many times is too many times, essentially, uh, especially, you know, you're starting to get into those, you know, all right. And not just little baby rolls here. We're talking about, you know, we're seriously spraying where the point where they can't ambulate, uh, we're starting to get like three, four, five, those sort of things. Um, you know, it's every single time they have to be, you know, either booted, casted, you know, crutches, or it's this chronic pain, um, or again, it's limiting performance. Those are the sort of signs I would say, hey, um, and if you did your, obviously your due diligence, had thorough physical therapy. Um, and then also on top of that, the client in between times was working on things. Uh, oh yeah, I was doing all my, you know, ankle proprioceptive stuff. I was trying to do this and it just, it's just so easy for it to keep, you know, spraining. Those are those signs I start to see. It's like, all right, you know, if I had that, like, I want to refer to potential surgery. But Brandon, I know you've had a couple. Um, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I've had a, I've had a few. I mean, the, the research says, um, you know, conservative rehab is better uh, than surgery, even even better than just casting somebody. Um, mm. Actually, let me see if I have the, the article. Kerhoff's 2009 um, looked at that. That uh, they actually favored functional treatment over cast immobilization, and obviously um, conservative treatment over surgical uh, treatment uh, definitely lowered the cost as well. But I, I think unless you're um, somebody who's had like 
a wicked, um, you know, grade three uh, sprain, and it's probably happened a few times, and that thing's just kind of hanging on there, and you really don't have too much control. Um, and, you know, to go in the, the biomechanical explanation here, that it's it's not in that mortise, that talus isn't in that mortise. You have to be careful because now you're, you're you have run the risk of that person having like a, a um, anterior dome OCD lesion because um, let's say we have the mortise here and uh, the mortise here and the talar dome and it's supposed to fit right in there nicely. But if, let's say they don't have those ligaments or that control and they're out here, that anterior dome is going to hit into that mortise and over time that's going to create a, a lesion. Uh, so unless unless you're a high-level athlete, we're probably talking college and above here, um, I probably wouldn't recommend it or at least try physical therapy, uh, you know, true amount of physical therapy um, before you, you entertain that. But, yeah, someone in the, the pros or, you know, high-level college and they need to, um, you know, not keep missing time because of ankle sprains, you know, they're probably just going to get the surgery. I'm okay with that. But then obviously when we get them on our side, we need to, to, to take care of it the right way. Yeah. And I, I think it'd be a good time to, we'll start putting up some videos of some techniques because especially post-op, whatever it may be, or a prolonged immobilization there in those cam boots or a cast for a long period of time, you can guarantee those bad boys are stiff. Take a normal human being and who didn't have an injury at all and you slap them in the boot or something like that, just from the lack of movement, things are going to be stiff. Um, so it'd be good. We'll put up some videos, but while I do that, I do remember I had, uh, recently, uh, we didn't treat her. She just wanted to be assessed. Um, she has the world record. She's the national record for her weight class. She did like 300 something and she weighs, maybe a hundred pounds or something like that. Um, deadlift record, like the natural, no, uh, no juicing. Um, raw. And then, huh? Raw is how the Yeah, is. raw. Uh, powerlifting record in the USPA. I think, I forget which association. There's two major ones. She's in one of them. Um, but she used, she was just asking about things. First messaged me for a while. And then I was treating her boyfriend or no, fiance. Uh, or husband. Um, I was like, have her come in uh, while I treat you. I'll take a look. And uh, she was just telling me that she, she sprains it like all the time. And uh, I did like, I was just looking at Taylor tilt though. The separation was, was even me. I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> like that type of look, like you can see the tip of the distal fib, like poking out. Like if I went a little bit further, just like, poke right through the skin. It was like that much separation. I was like that much laxity. I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> I was like, um, I was like, I told her, I was like, listen, this is, you know, it shouldn't do that. Especially how many weeks out she was. Um, it wasn't like at that point she did for, you know, a week or so ago. Yeah. Um, so was she just she, naturally like perfect lax person? Did she have a lot of no, injuries? other side, or other side was fine. Like I assessed the other side. Um, she's, you know, she's flexible, um, but, you know, she's a, she's more stable because she's such a, you know, a good power yeah, lifter. Um, but uh, I told her I was from? just, huh? Where'd that come from? Uh, she, the, the, I can't remember where all the other sprains were from. Um, okay. She's like, I've had histories of them, and this time she fell into a ditch in her backyard. Like, she just, 
And um, I told her, I was like, listen, this is something that's, you know, I mean, you can, you can try doing some rehab and those sort of things, but this looks like a little more serious. Um, and she, uh, she's like a churn stuff. She, she's like, all right, I'll take all your advice. Um, and then she, uh, she said she did fine and uh, she doesn't need too much. Uh, she was a little stiff in the dorsiflexion, mm-hmm. but didn't need uh didn't need a ton or anything like that. And she, she's back to powerlifting. Didn't go for the surgery. Surgery. She was like, surgery is not an option for me. But from when I checked up with her, cause I have her like every once in a while, are you in the area? If I have a student, I'm like, you want to yeah. guess, want to see a real Taylor tilt. Uh, she'll just stop on by. We'll take a look at her. I, I, I treat her with yeah. some you know, techniques and stuff, awesome. but uh, yeah, she, I think she, she set the record. I think after, that incident but i can't remember for sure but anywho so cool story um if i ever get her again i'll take a video i'll make sure to put it on a minips and sips episode but um what we'll talk about you know some of our you know techniques and those sort of things um speaking of computers freezing minds kind of up there you everyone see this um brandon you can see this yeah i got you. yeah i got you. so brandon's got some i got some you know um you know that's a lot of you know i think what most pts will see um is those post cam boot or post-surgery individuals are immobilized for a long period of time um, or too long um i debate brandon when do you think is a or what grade, let's go just classic lateral ankle sprain, you think is appropriate for for booting or not booting, or what do you think? Or it's also research. Um, I'll just say, because, you know, some people just can't tolerate much and, and present differently. But I would say unless you're like a, a true grade three and you're not walking uh, or you really can't put weight bearing, which obviously we're, we're probably going to look at the auto anchor rules and see if nothing mm-hmm. else happened. But grade one and two, um, we, we didn't get into it today. And, and after you show your videos, I can pull up the articles real quick. But there, there are two articles out there, Josh Cleland and, and Julie Whitman, that talk about utilizing uh, thrust joint manipulation early on. And there's uh, some criteria as guidelines that um, they recommend. And I think that's a, a good starting point for, for most um, it, to perform a thrust joint manipulation early on and then combine it with some Therex and these patients do very well early on. Um, I mean, we're talking, you know, do it that day of I've had, I had a last, this press fall, a uh, high level basketball player who's in high school um, sprained his ankle and um, the mom brought him in. We manipulated him. I think he maybe missed one game. Um, and then he was, he was able to, to go back and play. And that was just cause I think they had three games that week. So um, so I think it was just every other day, but he, he missed one game and was able to go back and I, I definitely feel patients respond well, um, to that manipulation, um, early yeah. on rather than later. I agree. Um, I think that's huge and, um, especially when they've tried some things on their own and it's been a couple of days and it's, you do a technique and by the time they just immediately start walking, they're like, Oh my God, that's that much better. That's when you know oh. it was that. Well, I hit it because yep. it, it was go see the team physician. Oh, we're going to put you in a boot. You're going to miss however long. And I was like, no, oh. like bring, bring your son in. I'll, I'll get him playing sooner. 
um mm -hmm. and sure enough we were able to and it's just it's like I, again the physicians their their answer is uh medication or immobilization or surgery and it's just like come on now um yeah you know, people got to get on with their life yeah so, we need to we need to increase that percentage of how many actually make it to our doors and then decrease the percent of reoccurrence because yeah. immobilization or even surgery and still some of these surgeries, maybe not so much um, really any sort of stabilization, but a lot of the surgeries like, yeah, yeah, they're fine. You don't really need anything afterwards. Well, we fixed the, the pathoanatomical issue, but yeah. that doesn't fix the lack of proprioception or strength or the immobility that's definitely caused from being in a boot for that long. So that doesn't fix anything. Unfortunately, it lets things heal, but doesn't fix anything. And then, Again, they're going out, spraining again, spraining again, spraining again. And they go through years of doing that. And then 30 years down the line, they need ankle fusion. It's like stupid crap like that. Um, a lot of times, hopefully you can hear, this is a lateral um, posterior glide of the, I'll just let myself speak, I guess. You can, can't hear me. I can't hear you. I don't know if the audience is supposed to. Oh, they can't hear my dude talking. Um, so if you guys can see this, um, I'm mobilizing the distal fibula, which is pretty common. If you look at least pathoanatomically, uh, those ligaments being stretched. In theory, with a sprain, the, the distal fibula can move in the anterior direction as a result. So what I'm doing is just taking that distal fibula, mobilizing it towards the ground, um, can also do it with like a mobilization mo um, movement or do a proximal. Sometimes we're lacking that rotation. Uh, so this is kind of like a seesaw effect. Oh, it's a good time. Oh, you, you combine in there. Yeah. Um, Brandon, I don't know if you have some videos or anything yeah. like that. Just a couple. Um, I, yeah, I, I do. But I want you to, um, if you can explain it, you, you gave a great pathoanatomical uh, explanation. Can you give a, a neurophysiological explanation? Because uh, I think clinicians get hung up too much on, on one versus the other. Um, exactly. In actuality, both are probably happening, not to mention um, patient alliance and, and even placebo, nocebos, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it in there as well. Um, I think we need to have a better understanding that all of these are happening at once and not just one. Exactly. Um, and then I'll talk about why I pick this technique versus a talacrul or anything like that. Um, you know, using kind of my hand here, um, you know, client will report to me or something of that nature that their pain is maybe localized around that lateral malleoli. Um, I'll use a test retest principle, uh, maybe perform an AP glide at the talacrul or PA, um, especially with a movement. Uh, a lot of times maybe with inversion with this. Um, and I'll play around with a couple areas and then I'll perform a posterior glide um, at the distal fibula as they're doing inversion. And if it's all of a sudden, it's like, wow, it doesn't hurt me uh, to do that. Because more often than not, inversion, the way they moved it hurts them. Uh, that doesn't hurt. Then that leads me to think I, I need to do that technique beyond the whole pathoanatomical stuff. But with me doing this mobilization, uh, we're 
you know, moving the, the joint, which is stimulating the mechanoreceptors at locally. Um, and you know, that's in that signal up into through the nerves to the spinal cord, to the brain. And then we're getting that, you know, that lovely discussion that you, you brought up before that descending inhibitory effect and was, you know, resolving pain. Um, and then if, yeah, if you want to look at it path anatomically, you could be setting it back, but, um, that's pretty much what's happening here. And then afterwards I, I take my hands off and I'm like, Hey, can you do some inversion for me? Or I don't say that, but I'm like, do that motion again. And if it's symptom free, I know I did something right. Um, so that's kind of my thought process with that. So again, I don't do this with every ankle sprain. It's not, I don't cookie cutter it. It's just as I'm kind of working with things, um, maybe there's still a restriction to some dorsiflexion or inversion or those sort of things, but I'm playing around with it to see if that's the winning technique. But yeah. Okay, plus there's uh, evidence that shows uh, mobilization improves muscle activation mm -hmm. to that area. So yeah, that too. All right. So unhook there, Jer. I'll hook oh, yeah. on. I'm going to get some juice from my laptop. Yeah, you see this? We're up here. Oh, yeah. So this is a sub-tower, which is different than a tower cruel. Um, so the reason this is pause, I have a video here. We actually, Jeremy and I had just lost our uh, manual therapy video membership. Uh, check it out, but it's step-by-step. Step. So the pause uh, sections here are me talking. So you guys can set up um, your hands and, and position yourselves correctly. I'll play it one more time. So that's why there's a pause here just uh, for your viewers now, if anyone's watching. So the key is to have on a sub tower, you want one hand on that calcaneus and then one hand up uh, on the top of the foot uh, by that towel cruel joint. So you're, you know, distracting um, both areas there. And then let's see if we can go to, Jay, you want me to do the Tyler one? Yeah, if you got it. Usually not, they might do talk like it's pretty loud, but. Like with that one, yeah, like I'll do that one that you just did. And as you do it, it's just like they're pretty stiff. It's like whole body starts to move as a whole unit. And then as they're starting to get more mobile and I don't need to give it as much, you'll start to almost feel just the separation at that towel curl. I feel like almost like a little clunk versus the whole leg starts to kind of move. Uh, you can see that the joint's opening up and kind of clearing out. Um, but yeah, go ahead. We have the cue board, but uh, I'm going to uh, save that for our other episode because we're going to do one solely on uh, cue board syndrome, cue so I'll hold off on that. That's my jam. Um, sorry, Jared. You cut out just as I was finishing up the other one, or I couldn't hear you. I'm, I'm, you want me to show the towel cruel one? Yeah. Yeah. All right. See that? Mm-hmm. As you guys can see here, both hands are on the top of the, uh, the foot um, with the ulnar border um, by the, uh, the 
telcool joint uh, joint line version and slight pronation and distraction as needed. Apply a high velocity, low amplitude thrust in a caudal direction. So that's that's pretty much it. Um, I mean, I know you and I both do uh, mobilization of movements and weight bearing mobilizations, and even adding load uh, to that as we progress um, away from you know solely manual therapy and combining it so the patient could be a little more active uh, yes. in their, their approach. Yeah, and that's something that I find is you know especially if they're those more post-op ones or, you know, post-booted ones or anything like that. Um, you know, especially if they're a lot of those, you know, ankle procedures or anything like that, they're, they're non weight bearing for a while. So that's the time to kind of clear those things out, uh, so that they're moving right. And then I'll maybe progress that to something more functional. Once they're weight bearing is those weight bearing, uh, mobilizations with movement so it's constantly progressing as a client is progressing um i guess we can i can show that real quick and then probably pretty good this is me back in the day yeah this is uh, the og office og office this before I probably had gray hair now. Um, Look at that, 500 views. Yeah, I know. Can you hear this, me speak in this? No, I, I can't, but I don't know if um, I'm supposed to with the way no. the setup. But. Again, this is what I'm just referencing here is, you know, um, now we're starting to think – you know, weight bearing dorsiflexion, which we needed in running. We needed, you know, the um, loading up the jump. We need it at the bottom of our squats and those sort of things. So they, you may see that they have full, you know, 10, 15 degree ankle dorsiflexion, non-weight bearing, but they can't, they have pain still in weight bearing. This is a great, great technique. Um, and you can give them a band to kind of do it at home. But, uh, you know, those are just some things. Oh yeah, he he had it he had it good. I think someone commented on that actually when when we put it up, which is kind of fun. That was great. And uh, yeah, we always bust his chops, at, you know, about his calves and stuff like that. Wish he had a wish he had bigger ones for that video, but hopefully, hopefully, I don't know if he listens in on this podcast. But we should have gotten you should have showed him how to do it, and then we could have gotten you with your uh, yeah. soccer cap. Oh yeah. That I would have, we would have easily had probably thirty thousand views if that was the case, but I guess we'll settle on on four hundred or so. But um, yeah, so that's again some of the techniques that we do. Um, yeah, treat that local air, but then treating the whole person, um, top to bottom. But um, yeah, any any other words of wisdom or any other things uh, that you think they're Brandon? I think that kind of covers. Uh, yeah, chronic ankle instability and just lateral ankle sprains overall. No, I think uh, yeah, that's it for this episode. Um, I think we should actually, you know, for our audience, uh, do something on high ankle sprains and that syndesmotic. Yeah. I think that's um, misunderstood and not covered enough. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll focus on on that one in, in a yeah, a separate one coming video or upcoming awesome. podcast today. Cool. 
Awesome. Well, as Brandon alluded to before, um, if these manual techniques interest you or anything like that, uh, Brandon led the way and created an, uh, a whole manual therapy um, mentorship and uh, video membership. Uh, so Brandon, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that before we wrap up. Yeah, sure. The, uh, the membership is um, it's actually uh, just a one-time cost, but it's uh, just under 100 videos right now. We're, we're going to add more to it, but all the techniques um, are manual therapy geared towards the spine and the extremities. Uh, like I said, just under 100. And then we have uh, an extension of that. You guys can upgrade uh, to a mentorship, which um, basically includes the videos as well, as well as a private uh, Facebook group. Uh, group chat and uh, two virtual calls a month um, with myself, Jeremy, and uh, Dr. Kyle Feldman, who will be on this show in the next couple of weeks as well, um, as well as access to uh, over 600 uh, fellowship level uh, articles. Uh, so you'll be able to pick our brains, we'll guide you through patient cases, um, you know, anything within the profession, whether, it, whether it's legislative stuff uh, or, you know, career uh, oriented things or even uh, opening a business as all three of us uh, are owners of our own business. Um, so hopefully uh, we have uh, compiled a nice uh, well-rounded mentorship for you guys. And right now it's only uh, $29.99 a month, um, but that price will be going up. So hopefully you guys hop into early bird special um, and uh, we can help you out and, and meet you as well. Awesome. So yeah, if you're one of those people that are, you know, you're kind of using like only like two techniques per joint, which I think I started off my career as, um, you know, it's an awesome thing just to, you know, sign up for this stuff, pick up on some new skills, have access to it. So it's just like, man, I'm working with somebody and what I'm doing is not working exercises, you know, or so, so oh, let me at least hit this. Uh, let me look up something real quick and, you know, have access to a lot more techniques. Um, but so, yeah, I think the biggest thing too is, is uh, I know there's those Facebook groups, uh, like, um, networking and, and doctor, student, physical therapists. And, you know, a lot of people post questions there, but then you get, you know, a hundred, um, hundred answers back, uh, and people contradict each other and, there's more arguing and fighting and on and I've read some of the responses of people and I'm more confused than anything. So I can only imagine yeah. somebody who um, doesn't have that, that training or someone who's a, a, a new grad trying to figure it out and they're getting told all this, this stuff. Uh, at least here you have three fellowship level uh, trained uh, PTs uh, all gone through residencies, all have the same philosophy, but have gone through different programs as well. So you get the, um, I guess experience and, and the insight to three different programs. Um, how, and also how, when you reach that level, there's a lot of similarity as well. So we won't be Definitely. arguing against each other, uh, either. So I think that would yeah. be really beneficial. Um, you know, especially for those newer grads. Yeah. I think we've on this show, I had like maybe two, three times where we didn't exactly see eye to eye, but wasn't necessarily bad because again, yeah, more of our training. Bad. Not a bad thing, uh, but it was, it was fruitful, gave some good ideas, but um, awesome. Uh, so uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, uh, I'm at The Decent Doctor and at Traffic of Therapeutics. 
Oh, and, um, you know, Manips and Sips, of course, is on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Brandon's at uh, Think Like a Fellow and uh, at Pursue PT Now. Uh, thanks for listening, in, listening, in, everyone, and uh, cheers. Cheers, guys.